Hi everyone, my name is Caleb Mason, and thank you so much for deciding to spend a few minutes of your day here with me today. Today, I am talking with Todd Henry. Todd uh, has been on the podcast before he was on a couple of years ago to talk about uh, one of his books called Herding Tigers, and today he is on the podcast to talk about his brand new book called The Motivation Code, Discover the Hidden Forces that Drive Your Best work. And if you're not familiar with Todd, Todd teaches leaders and organizations how to establish practices that lead to everyday brilliance. He is also the host of the Accidental Creative Podcast. And so if you're into creativity, Todd is somebody that you're going to want to go ahead. You're going to want to subscribe to his podcast. You're going to want to buy his books. You're going to want to follow him on Instagram and all of those things because his insights are so profound. And that's why I'm so excited for him to be back on the podcast today. But before we get into our conversation, I do want to say a couple of thank yous to Garrett Oler for editing uh, the Learner's Quarter podcast and for Sam Massey for providing the music for this show as well. And if this happens to be your first time listening to the podcast, I do want to let you know about the vision of this podcast. You know, here on the Learner's Corner, this is a podcast for lifelong learners. And we truly believe that we can learn from anyone, from everyone, from anything, and from everything. And we want to create a safe place to have dangerous conversations because we all know that it's not possible to have conversations with everybody because some people are just not are just not open to it and maybe you're afraid of that they're really going to be angry at you for bringing up a particular topic or they're just angry because they they vehemently defend their position so much that they're not even open to listening they're not even open to having a dialogue or maybe maybe you're afraid of being judged because you're afraid of bringing up the topic and you don't know what they're going to say you don't know what they're going to do and so you just don't bring it up well here on this podcast we want to create a safe place to have those types of conversations because those types of conversations are important and they're critical. And so that's why we created the Learner's Corner podcast. And hopefully you're able to find some of that community here. And I would love to hear from you. And the best way uh, to reach out to me is through my Instagram, which is at Caleb J. Mason, or you can hit me up on Twitter, which is at Caleb Mason. Um, Best bet is probably to go the Instagram route, but would love to hear from you. If you have anything that you would love to learn from or that you would love us to talk about, just go ahead and reach out to me uh, via Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. would love to hear some of the things that you're learning. would love to hear some of the things that you would love to learn about as well. And maybe we can make that happen here on the Learner's Corner podcast. Anyway, before uh, we wait any longer, I just want to go ahead and jump in to my conversation with Todd Henry. Well, Todd, it's so good to have you back on the Learner's Corner podcast and uh, just talk with you about your brand new book, The Motivation Code. Well, Caleb, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to speak with you again. Yeah. And and just as we get started, anytime that uh, that someone releases a, a work of art or a book or a podcast or anything, I just love to hear just the story behind that. And so what made you want to uh, get involved with this project, uh, the Motivation Code, as we were talking before you even jumped on that, that you you have jumped on to this journey. And I would just love to hear the story behind that. Yeah. So four years ago, actually, before uh, my last book, Herding Tigers, was even released, I was actually in the process of writing that book. 
um, a friend of mine, Rod Penner, um, invited me to take a motivation assessment that he and a whole team of PhDs have been working on for a number of years. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, Kayla, but I'm a little skeptical whenever somebody says they have a new assessment for me to take. I don't need another set of letters to attach to myself. But I thought, okay, I trust Rod. I know Rod was like a veteran of management consulting. And so I thought, okay, Rod, if Rod's telling me to take it, I'm going to take it. So I took the assessment. And frankly, I was blown away. Um, through this motivation code assessment, I uncovered areas where you know, for a while, I couldn't really d- discern the patterns of like, why did I succeed in some leadership roles and fail in others? Um, why did I always have conflict with certain team members, but other people I just got along with great? Why did I find some kind of work to be drudgery, even though it was really easy to do, but I would stay up until you know midnight or 2am to do other things for multiple days in a row that seemed like they would be drudgery to other people. And in short, what I discovered was the key that unlocked motivation, satisfaction, and engagement in my life. And so I knew I had to try to get this out to as many people as possible. So in 2016, started kind of behind the scenes along with Rod and um, my other co-authors, Dr. Todd Hall and Dr. Joshua Miller started working on this book uh, in the background. And frankly, we thought we might end up just self-publishing it, you know, because uh, we we didn't know what was going to happen. And I already had another book deal with Herding Tigers and that was happening. And so, um, you know, after Herding Tigers came out, it did well. I just sort of mentioned off the cuff to my publisher, hey, by the way, I've got this other thing that I'm, I'm working on. And they said, great, we want it. So that's kind of how it all happened. And so I've been working on this now for, for about four years. But the research behind it, uh, behind it has really been, began in the 1950s and 1960s. Um, and ultimately resulted in the largest repository of achievement stories in the history of humankind. Over a million achievement stories have been parsed to discern the themes, the the language and the themes that ended up becoming the 27 motivational themes that are a part of the motivation code assessment. Yeah. And and I want to get into some of those themes here in just a minute, but just as we're getting started, I I would just love to know what are some myths that maybe that you discovered or, or some of your co-authors discovered in this process about motivation that, that just aren't true? Yeah, I think one thing is that people often conflate a lack of motivation with laziness. They they, you know, we just say, well, that person just isn't motivated. Well, The reality is that we're all motivated for something. So even when somebody is sitting around the couch eating potato chips and playing video games, there's something there that's motivating them. It's just that maybe you haven't figured out how to use that natural motivation in a way that's more productive. Um, And so I think that's one of the myths that people have is that it's just about, you know, it's just about either diligence or laziness, which is just not true. We're all motivated. It's just we have to figure out how we're motivated and how to point those in more meaningful ways. Um, The second thing that is a huge myth, I think, especially among managers, is that people are primarily motivated by the same things. You know, um, oh, I'm just going to give a pay increase every time somebody does something well. Well, that's fine. And people certainly aren't going to turn it down. But the motivation that results from a pay increase lasts a short period of time. And then people tend to revert to the mean. Mm -hmm. And then what happens, unfortunately, is they require more pay increases, more injections of motivation over time in order to stay motivated because you're not working with what naturally motivates them. You know, people tend to revert to the mean. People won't just work for a paycheck. They'll work for a paycheck, but they won't give you everything they have, right? 
Mm-hmm. So um, that's another myth, I think, is that people are generally motivated by the same thing. And then I think uh, another final myth that really, really kind of disturbs me um, the most of all of these is that motivation really doesn't matter. It's just about grit and habit and just, you know, grinding it out. And that's just not true anywhere in life. Um, you know, if you could structure your work and approach your work in a way that caused it to feel deeply meaningful and satisfying to you, or you could approach your work in a way that's going to feel like drudgery and you have that choice, of course, you're going to choose deep satisfaction and and meaning, but that just takes a little bit of effort to figure it out. And so when I hear people say, well, motivation doesn't matter. That's what I'm paying them for. They should just be motivated. Well, but wouldn't you rather have people who are bringing discretionary energy to what they do because they're naturally operating within their core motivations? Of course. So I think those are just a couple of the things that we discovered in the course of writing the book and hopefully are trying to resolve with the work that we're doing with Motivation Code. Yeah. What have you learned? Because at some point, I think we do have to do things that we're not motivated to do. What have right. you learned about... Uh, Have you learned anything through your research that makes it easier to do those things that we aren't motivated to do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give, I'll give you an example from my own life, right? So um, one of my motivational themes is meet the challenge. That's actually my number two theme. Um, So that means that I love imminent, discrete, challenging things that I can tackle and then move beyond, right? Like that's what I love to do. So I want to tackle a challenge. Now, Something that takes me like two or three years, that doesn't feel challenging to me. I need other, I need to, to break those down into more meaningful, imminent types of challenges. So if you come to me and you say, Hey Todd, I've got this huge project I need you to take on. We're really going to need you to really pour yourself into this for the next month and just really sort of make it happen. Um, and so, you know, I'm counting on you to make it happen. I'll do it. If you're paying me, I'll do it. Right. But if you come to me and you say, Hey, Todd, I don't know if this is possible, but boom, I'm in. You've triggered my meet the challenge motivation. You've already said this is going to be a challenge, right? You've already figured out a way to present it in a way that's going to trigger that motivation for me. And so once we begin to understand what that language is for the people around us, or when we figure out, I mean, so this is, so I'll give you an example of how that plays out. So writing a book is a multi-year process. Okay. For me, writing a 60,000 word manuscript, it is a challenge, but it doesn't feel like a challenge in the meet the challenge kind of way. So what I have to do, Caleb, instead is say, I'm going to write 500 words of my book before 930 this morning. Because I figured out that's how by instilling little challenges, routine challenges every day, that's how I keep myself engaged. It's almost like a little game with myself, right? Mm -hmm. To do that. Whereas somebody else who's motivated in a completely different way, like uh, somebody motivated to advance, for example, they love to make make progress through a series of goals or people who are driven to bring to completion. Instead, for them, it might be, I'm going to write a chapter a week. And that's fine for them because they know at the end of the week, they can check it off and they feel like they're making progress or advancing. That's how they stay engaged. But for me, it has to be those everyday, steady, um, discrete, concrete, imminent goals that I'm hitting that feel like challenges to me that keep me engaged in my work. So those are the moments I come alive is when I meet the challenge in that moment. And then I feel like I can kick up my heels for a little bit because I've you know, sort of scratched that itch. But um, once we begin to understand that, it completely changes the nature of how we bring ourselves to our work. And that's 
That's another myth that I really didn't talk about, but I think it's an important one is that people tend to wait for their work to motivate them or they go and look for the perfect job that's going to motivate them. The reality is motivation occurs when we learn how to bring the best of who we are to what we do instead of waiting for the work we do to bring out the best in us. It's a completely different way of looking at it. Yeah. And just what I hear so much in what you're saying is it's in a matter of framing the work in a way that motivates you. Is that, does that sound right? Absolutely. No, no question. No question about it. And that's why, again, any task can feel motivating if you learn how to frame it up within the context of your motivation code. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to get into, I don't want to get into all of the details because I know that there's 27 uh, different themes for each one, but you do kind of group them into families in right. the book. And I was just going to say, can you just expound a little bit of kind of the families just to give people an idea of what the different types of motivation codes are and even tease it out a little bit? Yeah. So w- what we've discovered is that um, there are certain themes, while every theme is discrete and different in terms of how it plays out. And that's really where the practical nature of the motivation code assessment is, is on the theme level, because that's where the specific tendencies and attributes and actions are and shadow sides and all of those things. Um, but some themes tend to hold together. Uh, they share some DNA. And so that's why we call them families. You know, it's like with your biological family, you share DNA, but you probably look a little different. You probably have a different personality. You have different hobbies and different interests, but you still share some DNA. So you're still family. And so that's kind of how these themes hold together as well. So the six families are, first of all, there's the achiever family. The achiever family themes are driven to move forward and to persevere to complete challenging objectives. So these include themes like bring to completion, which I mentioned, overcome, which is about working against an obstacle or working against an enemy, advance, which is about making progress to accomplish a series of goals and meet the challenge, which I've already explained ad infinitum, right? The second family is the learner family. And the learner family of themes are motivated to explore and learn new things, to gain mastery, and to demonstrate knowledge. So these are themes like comprehend and express, which is about defining and then communicating insights. So learning new things and then teaching them to other people. Explore, which is about pressing beyond limits and trying new things and having new experiences. Master, which is about mastering skills, you know, or procedures or techniques or processes. And then demonstrate new learning, which is about learning how to do something and then showing other people you can do it. So that's the learner family. The optimizer family is motivated to set up an operation on firm foundations or to ensure that systems function well. So they want to fix problems. They want to make improvements, things like that. So the themes in this family are make it work, which you can imagine what that is about. It's yeah. about you know, yeah. fixing things that are broken, um, like fixing problems, solving problems, things like that. Organize, which is about organizing a, a, a an operation to make sure it's running smoothly, make it right, which is about doing things the right way, develop, which is about building and developing, whether it's people, a process, a system, an organization, establish, which is about establishing things in the right way. So getting it right from the beginning, um, which by the way, can be very frustrating for people who just want to move forward. They just want to do things and the established person saying, have we taken care of all the legal issues here? And have we looked at all the contracts and is everything, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of what that motivation is. And then improve, which is about using abilities to improve something. Um, the fourth family is what we call the visionary family. 
And the visionary family is motivated to make an impact according to what's possible or ideal. So they tend to think out in the future. That's kind of where their focus is. So they are motivated by things like achieve potential, which is about realizing potential in things, uh, experiencing the ideal, uh, which is motivated to give concrete expression to certain concepts or make an impact, which is also one of my top themes, which is about making an impact or making a personal mark on the world around them. The fifth family is what we call the key contributor family which is about highlighting your personal or often outstanding contribution. So these are themes like be central, which means you want to be close to where the decisions are being made and be right at the center of the action. Gain ownership, which is about uh, acquiring ownership over more and more territory. So think about the salesperson that's just driven to just more territory, bigger things, more and more. Like they just constantly want to grow versus somebody who's just satisfied with having their territory. That's fine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Excel, which is about being the best or, or at least doing their absolute best. Evoke recognition, which is about capturing the attention and interest of others. Bring control, which is about being in control of their own destiny. And then be unique, which is about distinguishing themselves from others uh, and making sure that others see how unique they are. And finally is the team player family. And this is uh, people who tend to pay close attention to others, especially in group contexts. And they want to be around and contribute to the group dynamic and conversation. So you've got themes like make the grade, which is about being connected uh, to a team ideal or ethic that's bigger than themselves. So think the person who wants to join the Marines because they want to be part of that. Or you know, they want to be in the Navy, but not just the Navy. They want to be a Navy SEAL, but not just a Navy SEAL. They want to be part of SEAL Team 6, right? That's somebody who's driven to make the grade because they want to be part of the best of the best and, and keep the, the be, be elite in what they do. Um, influence behavior is about influencing the behavior and thinking of other people. Serve, which is about serving people around them. Uh, and then collaborate, which is about being involved in group efforts. So those are the six families and the 27 themes in a nutshell. That was like the fastest I've ever explained yeah. this, I think. But um, <laughs> you know, everybody has some combination of these motivations. And so what we've done with the motivation code assessment is we've been able to rank order these motivations one to 27 in your life based upon a series of tried and true questions um, that help get to the root of what it is that really drives deep engagement in your life. Yeah. And, and just as, you know, if, some, if someone has taken the assessment, what are some things that you would say, hey, I would keep this in mind as you're trying to figure out your own motivation and apply it to your own work? Yeah, I would say, first of all, um, you know, nothing that you no assessment is going to perfectly capture who you are, right? Because you have a unique combination of passion, skills, experiences. Um, and so just recognize that motivation is like the base layer. Motivation explains at the root why you do some of what you do, but it doesn't perfectly describe you. And that's one of my, again, mentioned my issue with assessments. Um, you know, nobody needs another set of letters to attach to themselves. Um, and you know, it always, when I hear assessment, I always think, you know, like vanity fair quizzes and like, you know, which Harry Potter house are you? And <laughs> you know, this is completely different from that. I mean, this is a story driven psychometric assessment that's tried and true. It's been given, you know, tens of thousands of times, um, to people across all walks of life. And so it is eerily accurate. Um, I had, a. uh, uh person go through it and they said, uh, it's like a magic trick <laughs> because it's sort of, you know, it's like a blueprint for, for your life. So it is very accurate, but it's also not 
comprehensive. It's one piece of a bigger puzzle of who you are and, and what you're doing here on this planet. Yeah. What, what was something that really surprised you about the research and motivation? Oh, that is a great question. Um, I think the thing that surprised me the most is I've been trained my entire life that there are primarily two types of motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic. Um, intrinsic motivation being those inner drivers that cause you to get out of bed in the morning and, and accomplish things. And extra, extrinsic motivation being the external factors like pay and prestige and words of encouragement or fear, you know, the carrot and the stick kind of thing. And that's what I'd always thought, you know, and, and I you know, read all of the research about self-determination theory and intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and autonomy, mastery and relatedness and all of these things that we've come to know as the, the basics of motivational theory. And what surprised me was when I began reading all the research, I realized that intrinsic and extrinsic motivation are not discrete that they modify one another. And so what, what excited me about motivation code is that what it really does is it captures the way in which your intrinsic and extrinsic motivations uniquely modify one another. Um, and so it's, you know, it's not as easy as just separating them into, well, we just need somebody who's intrinsically driven. Well, intrinsically driven by what to do what, right, is the question. Because those extrinsic factors matter greatly in how you define that intrinsic motivation. And that was a real surprise to me. So somebody driven, for example, somebody might get a pay raise, right? Mm-hmm. And to the person who is maybe driven to excel, they're going to see that as this is a mark that I am better than everybody else around me. And that's going to motivate them. Somebody else might get a pay raise. And because they are driven to collaborate, they're going to see that as a validation of their place within the team and how important they are to the team. And they're going to filter everything through the lens of team. That's what's going to satisfy them, right? So we might experience the same thing, but have completely different reasons for those events being meaningful in our life. Um, and so that was the thing that that really um, really illuminated a lot for me as I began to dive into it. Yeah. What advice would you give to um, a leader or someone who is leading a team and they're trying to figure out how to implement this well and to tap into everybody else's uh, motivations? What advice would you give to that person? Well, you need to understand what drives the people on your team uniquely. You know, we... Imagine a series of lockers and you've got, uh, you know, code, you know, padlocks on all of those lockers. Well, you can take a sledgehammer if you want to get into the locker and you could, you know, bang on the lockers until you smash them all open. That's going to be a very inefficient and very destructive way to get at what you want. Or you can know the combination to each of the padlocks. You can know the code to open the the lockers and get at what's inside. And that's what motivation code does for a manager. When you begin to understand oh, you know what? So-and-so is driven to demonstrate new learning. I need to be giving them opportunities to show us what they're learning. You know, I need to be giving them opportunities to share with the team the things that they're learning because that's something that is important to them or someone else is driven to overcome. So when I communicate with them why this is important, I need to say, you know what our competitor is doing right now? Do you know what they're doing to our customers? Can you believe they're doing that? We can't let them get away with that. We need to we need to figure out a way to, you know, versus somebody else who might be driven totally differently, you have to take a different tack. So once you begin to understand what it is that uniquely drives people, there comes an incredible opportunity with that, which is I can maybe 
get into some tap into some motive, latent motivational energy that's not being used right now. So that's wonderful, but also a responsibility not to use that to manipulate people. Because again, like I said, if you come to me and say, Todd, I don't know if this is possible, but boom, I'm in, right? Like, yeah. um, so you have to be very careful how you use that knowledge, but it's so incredibly powerful and valuable once you begin to see it. And by the way, Sorry, I, I get a little excited about this, but the other thing that's beautiful about this is you can also identify areas of conflict on your team, maybe that have pre- previously been a mystery to you. But if you begin to see, oh, you know what? The reason these people always fight is because they're differently motivated. One person is motivated to explore, so they're always asking questions. They're always you know wanting to try new things. The other person's driven to bring to completion, so they're saying, "Can we please just move this forward?" While the other person's like asking questions and exploring and doing what they do, right? So once you begin to see that, you can have more meaningful conversations about those areas of conflict and you can begin to validate everyone's motivation, but also recognize those motivations are best activated in certain scenarios. Mm-hmm. For, for the leader who's listening and they're like, Todd, I, I'm the leader though. They should just do what they're told. What would you say to that person? Why, why is this or what makes this path of understanding and leading through other people's motivation the path to choose? Well, listen, I mean, if you're a leader of a team, your job isn't just to get the work done. Your job is to get the work done through people. It's to develop the people on your team to tackle new and more challenging work. So yeah, if you're if you're just saying, all right, get the work done by whatever means necessary. Well, first of all, I would say you're, you're a terrible leader um, because what's going to happen when you're no longer around to, you know, to, you know, uh, uh, poke everybody with a stick to get them moving or to inspire fear in them. I mean, it's a ridiculous way to think about leading. But if your goal is to inspire people to do more and better than you ever thought possible and to get the best out of them, you need to tap into what it is that drives them. And again, we're talking about discretionary energy here, right? We're talking about people being willing to spend aspects of who they are and what they do on the work that you can't even see it. You don't even know it's there. It's latent potential, um, people will only do what you ask them to if you f- try to force them into being productive. But if you speak their motivational language, they will go far above and beyond what you ever expected of them. And just one final question that I have for you is, can you just talk about the difference that you've seen in yourself from before you knew your motivation code to, to, to today? Yeah, it has completely changed the way that I approach my day-to-day work. Uh, And frankly, it's changed the way that I look for gratification in my work. Uh, So I speak to a lot of audiences in non-pandemic times. You know, like that's what I do. I travel around. I speak to big groups of people. I love it. It's great. And part of the reason is that my top motivation is make an impact. So I get to see in real time the impact of my work. Well, what do you think happened to me when all of a sudden I was told you can't travel around and speak to big groups anymore? Instead, you're going to spend all day on Zoom calls with people that you maybe you can see a couple of people, but you can't really see everybody. And you certainly aren't getting that room full of a thousand people laughing at your jokes. And you know, you're not getting all that feedback after your talk of all the people waiting in line to talk to you and have you sign their book and all of that. Um, you know, I I went into a funk. I did because I wasn't getting and I and it's only because I understood, oh, I'm not seeing the impact of my work right now. That's what it is. I'm so wired to make an impact that I need to come up with some mechanism to help me stay reminded about the impact of my work. So you know what I started doing is 
collect, looking for, collecting, and compiling feedback that I've received over time from people. And I keep that in a folder and I pull it out pretty routinely and I look through it and I remind myself that the work I'm doing, even though I can't see the impact in real time, that work is having an impact. I've had to look for different ways of quantifying what that impact looks like in times when I'm not getting the immediate feedback that I so crave because that's how I'm wired. Um, so it's completely changed how I approach my life and my, my work and how I look for um, you know, those, those um, uh, moments of deep gratification in my life and my work. Um, it's also helped my relationships because I've been able to, like, for example, with my wife, we've been able to figure out how to have a more meaningful conversation because uh, I don't ascribe maybe her desire to optimize my uh, all of my ideas as anything nefarious. It's just she that's where she gets her energy, right? And for me, as somebody who's primarily wired as a visionary type person, I'm always just thinking of ideas and I'm not going to execute these ideas. I have no desire to execute these ideas. I'm just coming up with ideas all the time, right? And so what I really want from her is just to say, that's a good idea. That's a good idea, you know? But instead it's, well, what if you did this? What if you did that? What about this? And when are you going to execute that, right? And now we understand, oh, that's how we're wired. So it's okay. So we can have more meaningful conversations. And sometimes I'll just say, hey, right now I'm just in visionary mode. That's yeah. right now, that's what I'm doing. So, you know, thank you. But um, so it just helps. Yeah. Well, Todd, I know that people are going to want to pick up uh, your your book, The Motivation Code, and continue to learn from you. Where's the best place for people to go to do those things? So motivationcode.com is where you can go if you want to learn more about the M-Code assessment, the book, all of those things are at motivationcode.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about me and my work and my other books and my podcast, The Accidental Creative, um, you can go to toddhenry.com and you can navigate to anything you need from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And just thanks for the work that you're doing. Yeah. And thanks for having me back. Well, Todd, thank you so much for being on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Thank you for coming back. And just thank you for all the work that you do. I also want to give another quick shout out to Garrett. Garrett, thank you for editing the podcast. Sam, thank you for uh, providing the music. The The Learner's Corner podcast is better because of the two of you. And so thank you so much for doing that. Also, I would highly recommend that you go pick up The Motivation Code by Todd Henry. That's something that the work that he's uh, working on is something that I'm uh, currently trying to figure out for myself and working through as well. And so highly, highly recommend it. And if this happens to be your first time and you're not already subscribed to the podcast, just go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and just hit that subscribe button. And any time that an episode comes out, you will not miss it. So hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, whatever it might be. Also leave a rating and write a review, write a review of the podcast that is incredibly helpful as well. And before we go, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for just continuing to be there. Would love to hear from you. Would love to hear some of the things that you're learning from. Would love to hear some of the things that you would love to learn about as well. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Learner's Corner podcast. My name is Caleb Mason, and until next time, keep learning and keep growing.